Hi, my name is Whiplove Lamba, and you may remember me from last session with JP. And in that session, we talked about how um, motivational interviewing was developed in New Mexico by Bill Miller. And we talked a bit about how it developed in an environment where there was where there was a lot of um, AA and 12-step that worked wonderfully for some people, um, but MI was somewhat different. And so what, what this is, is a deep dive just in terms of the overview of what are the nuts and bolts of motivational uh, interviewing. So Miller and Rolnick uh, define motivational interviewing as a collaborative, goal-oriented style of communication with particular attention to the language of change. It's designed to strengthen the personal motivation and commitment to a specific goal by eliciting and exploring the person's own reasons for change within an atmosphere of acceptance and compassion. With motivational interviewing, you want to think of it almost like a gentler, more productive conversation, more productive conversation about change. And even though when people normally learn about it, they learn about it through experiential exercises, I'm just going to cover the basics here in terms of the main themes. If you're able to incorporate the spirit of MI, um, usually you start doing this stuff without realizing you're doing it. And in MI, it's a bit different than traditional medicine, where it's more of a partnership as opposed to sometimes putting pressure on uh, people that need to do things. There's acceptance about how the person is, uh, as opposed to this authority figure where we have to tell you how to do things properly. And as opposed to education, which we do in medicine and psychology and psychotherapy a lot, it's more about evocation. It's about getting the person to speak getting them to give their reasons for change. And all of this is done under the framework of compassion. And so it's all about compassion for the individual. And the hope is that by adding that compassion, it takes away a bit of some of that manipulative uh, lens uh, for it. In when we think about normal conversation, we can either guide, follow or direct people. You know, you think about uh, directing. If somebody says, hey, how do I do this? Uh, how do I replace my shingles? And you know how you may give them a step-by-step -step instruction. Uh, we may follow. So if someone has someone who passed away and they just want someone to sit there with them and to um, listen to them talk about whatever the experiences are and they don't want advice, that's when we would follow. And in MI, we try to guide. And the way we know we're guiding is when we have an equal number of time spent sort of listening uh, asking questions and uh, uh, giving uh, giving advice. And so for directing, we give a lot more advice. Uh, and uh, for following, we listen a lot more, but guiding is a bit of an even level of all three of those things. We also want to be very careful about where we are, right? And this is why I alluded to pre-contemplation sometimes being difficult, because when someone says they're pre-contemplative or seem they're like they're pre-contemplative, we sometimes revert to a form of apathy where we may not fully be engaged with them. And we want an area in the middle where it's not so much sympathy, where we're fully on that roller coaster with the patient. We don't apathy where we're just waiting for the person to give us a signal, but we want to have one foot from on the ground and offer a hand. And, and if they take it, uh, help them um, help them up.
The way in my works is that the client speech is met by empathic and strategic responses by the therapist. This in turn influences what the client says next. And as the interaction progresses, the client hears themselves say out loud a solution to their problem. There's four main processes in MI and you can go up or down the ladder. And what you'll find is that you can go up and down the ladder um, at a different pace and be at a different level for different substances or behaviors. So for example, for cannabis, someone may be more in the engagement phase, uh, but for um, opiates, they may be more in the planning step-by-step. -step. And so you first, you want to engage them into a conversation. You'd want to help focus on a target of uh, change. You'd want to evoke hope, uh, commitment, and confidence uh, for it. And then you start the planning phase. And historically, when we think about the key principles of MI, it doesn't involve giving advice or goal sending. But as it's evolved, uh, you know, we realize when somebody's engaged and ready to go, they're ready to goal set. And they wanted a way that they could frame all of these within these things. When you talk to Bill Miller, uh, who um, was one of the founders of MI, he'll say he's never done really more than two to three motivational interviewing sessions with someone. Because after that, you can figure out what they want to do, and then you can uh, help them work through that piece. One thing that's incredibly uh, important, um, and this is a photo that was taken by Carolyn Cooper, who was one of my big mentors uh, in MI. She spent a lot of time with me back in 2010 and 2011, helping me learn the facilitation skill, uh, giving feedback and making sure that um, uh, I was able to get some of the key uh, skills, uh, both in terms of the clinical interview and the presentation. And this was a figure in a story that she regularly uses where she talks about uh, MI almost being like a dish or a, a recipe. And uh, there are certain key ingredients. And depending on what dish you're making, uh, you can adjust the dose uh, of the ingredients or the uh, amount or the grams of each ingredient uh, to try to build the uh, thing that you would like. And the four ingredients are really the technical skills. So open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. And another metaphor people really like to use is canoeing. And so for those of you that have canoed, uh, who does the leading? Who decides where the canoe goes? That's right, it's the person who's at the back. So the person in the front can just sort of paddle and paddle and paddle, and it's the back that sort of guides the approach. And then there's different strokes. There's these small strokes, uh, these J strokes, which are more like a reflections. And then there's this wide stroke. I don't canoe or paddle, so I don't know what it is, but there's this wide stroke. You can change your direction 90 or more than 90 degrees, and those are the open-ended questions. And so open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries are the key technical skills. As you can imagine, open-ended questions cannot easily be answered by yes or no, or with a single word response. Um, they contribute to moving the conversation along, and it gives you more material to work with. And you can use these to dramatically steer the direction of the conversation. It also allows you to explore in depth rather than detail, right? As opposed to saying how many of these, uh, it's more like um, what, um, what did you have or what did you do? And then you get more of a richer narrative that can allow you to dive deeper into some of those nuances. Affirmations are incredibly important. And when JP was talking about it in the last uh, talk, he used the term validation. In MI, it's very similar. We call it affirmations. Uh, and affirmations are a genuine positive reflection of a person's strengths, efforts, values, identities, or aspirations. It's a lot deeper than compliments. Uh, and uh, they really function to stabilize the uh, relationship.
I find them particularly valuable for people that have had uh, a lot of failures in their life, um, people who have not uh, heard uh, positivity in any area and they're so critical of themselves. And to hear a healthcare provider share a genuine affirmation can be really quite uh, positive. You know, when you think about people that have accomplished uh, so much, you know, when the depression hits or the substance use takes over, sometimes taking a shower is an accomplishment and validating the work and effort required to do those things uh, can have a lot of value. It's also important to be very, very uh, authentic uh, as well. Uh, there is some evidence to suggest that affirmations can bring out uh, change talk. And the rationale behind this is that if people are going to make a difficult change, uh, they need to know their strengths. Reflection was probably the hardest skill for me to develop. And uh, as a psychiatrist and a clinician, you're used to asking questions. Uh, these can be open-ended uh, questions, closed-ended questions, and you get very good at doing a diagnostic interview. What you don't get uh, so good at uh, is, um, uh, is, is how to make statements to steer the conversation. And so what you do is you make a strategic guess about what the speaker means, in terms of whatever they say out loud, and you make it as a statement. And these statements gently steer and move the conversation forward towards change. And when you get really, really good at MI, uh, what you end up uh, doing uh, is uh, that um, you would do about at least two to one uh, reflections per question. Uh, and if you watch people like Bill Miller do it, he's about four reflections per uh, question. Uh, there's different kinds of reflections you can use. So you can use simple like parroting, um, paraphrasing, getting the gist. These tend to convey understanding. You can also go a little bit deeper. You can make complex and you can add substantial meaning or emphasis to what a person says. You can do things like reflecting both sides. On the one hand, uh, uh, you really enjoy how uh, cigarettes uh, taste. On the other hand, uh, your family members hate the smell and you can't walk upstairs anymore. You could also overshoot or undershoot for effect. So you could say, oh, you've never been sober before, or it's been really easy to be sober. And by making that statement, um, you're probably a little bit wrong. And if you have a good rapport, the patient will uh, connect you, uh, correct you about that. You can reflect emotions um, uh, or uh, sensations. You can also reflect uh, values and identities. And this is just sort of going to a deeper level. The last part is summaries. The last ingredient is uh, summaries. And this allows you to really check the map to see where you've been, where you're going next. And uh, some people, and Carolyn Cooper would uh, do this thing where she'd always talk about like a bouquet of flowers where uh, you pick back the most important things the person said to you and you share it back with them uh, with the goal of, of making them know that you sort of understand and you know what they've been through. But also with the, um, uh, the goal of a solidifying whatever they've said and whatever that, that plan is moving uh, forward. This is a cartoon I think was originally uh, done by um, uh, Katen when we gave this talk several years uh, back. Uh, and, and I think it's really important to know that in motivational interviewing, we moved a little bit away from um, pre-contemplation, contemplation, action, those things. And we think more about change talk versus sustained talk. So change talk uh, occurs uh, when the person uh, talks about the reason they want to change and sustained talk are the reasons that people want to stay the same. And what you'll notice is that really it's, it's both sides of the same, same coin. And so as an MI therapist, we almost want to build up that preparatory change talk, desire, ability, reason, need. I want to, I can, um, I have to, I, I need to. 
And once we build it up enough where the person saying all these reasons they need to make the change, they have the skills, all that kind of stuff, that's when we move into the mobilizing change talk where we really try to get them activated. Uh, we try to make a commitment and we try to make them uh, take uh, steps and commit to it. And what we find is that if we start getting to the action plan part and we start getting all these yes buts, well, yes, but I'm too tired. Yes, but I need to relax. Yes, but uh, I need to uh, socialize or yes, but I don't know how to say no. Whatever it might be, it, it means that we need to move back to the preparatory change talk and build up that motivation a little bit more. And with the ingredients, the open-ended questions, affirmations, reflection summaries, those are the types of things that come out of the therapist's mouth. And these things like change talk are what you're looking to hear from the uh, patient or the client uh, that you're uh, working with. So desires, I want to. Ability is I'm able to. Reasons are if I did this, then that, because this need is I have to. Commitments are I will, I'm going to. Activations is I'm ready, I'm willing to. And taking steps as I've started to. And the whole idea is to get them all over that other uh, end, you know, to that other side. So www.motivationalinterviewing.org. Uh, is a website where you can learn about motivational interviewing. They have the motivational interviewing network of uh, trainers. And it's really designed as a community where everyone's content helps the other and builds on the other um, as well. And uh, for those of you that want to learn more, I hope that's something that interests you. And, and I think what we may try to do moving forward is because now you have a thing that covers the main content. We'll see if we can uh, demonstrate some experiential exercises uh, where you can see how other people uh, absorb uh, and get some of that, um, that knowledge.